The yeas are 217, the nays are 215, the bill is passed. The House Republicans just passed the only bill in Washington that lifts the debt limit, ends wasteful Washington spending, and puts America back on the right economic path. Senator Schumer, if he thinks he's got a plan, put it on the floor. See if you can pass it, and then we can go to conference. But now, the President can no longer put this economy in jeopardy. We lifted the debt limit. We've sent it to the Senate. We've done our job. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon. Do you support the military adopting that EV fleet by 2030? I do, and I think we can get there as well. And I do think that reducing our reliance on the volatility of globally traded fossil fuels, where we know that global events such as the war in Ukraine can jack up prices for people back home, it, it uh, does not contribute to energy security. I think energy security is achieved when we have homegrown clean energy that is abundant, like you see mm -hmm. in Iowa. We think that we can uh, be a leader globally in how we have become energy independent. Let me make it very clear. If this administration does not honor what it said it would do and basically continue to liberalize that, where $384 billion is what we're supposed to invest over 10 years, and they blow that out of the water and it's, it's six or seven or 800, I will do everything I can in my power to prevent that from happening. And if they don't change, then I would vote to repeal my own bill. I think liberals, they just, they, they make a real effort not to understand the Trump voter. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, DeSantis is going to be great because he's, it's Trumpism without Trump. And I think they're like, why would we want a tribute band <laughs> when the actual band is still playing? Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 130 here on this beautiful Thursday morning, April 27th. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. Uh, and I'm uh, president of the Pete Stauber Fan Club, Mike McKenna. We have a wonderful program today. Uh, and as uh, Mr. McKenna just hinted, we have a, a great guest that we interviewed just this morning, on our uh, just before we got here in the studios. So big night for Speaker McCarthy. A big night for the United States of big America. Night. Debt ceiling has been raised. Usually this is antithetical to the Republican Party, but because they packaged it with serious real spending cuts and some of their priorities they were able to squeeze a very narrow 217 vote majority to get the bill passed in the house yeah and um now it's up to the it, as as mccarthy said in the intro there it's up to it's up to schumer now and biden uh the ball is now in their court what so, could go wrong i think that uh after some late night wrangling where the Iowa delegation squeezed some concessions for King Corn um, in the in the proud history of of, you know, bowing to the ethanol mafia, the Iowa delegation actually flexed their muscles there, pulled out the 
subsidies, save the subsidies in the IRA for, for bio stuff, biodiesel type stuff. And the conservative extra extracted some additional work requirements for food stamps and other assistance. Minus that little hiccup. Why do we let Iowa in the union again? <laughs> First in the nation primary. Why Why do we let them in the union again? Yeah, you know what? <sighs> Whatever. Whatever. Uh-oh, you're in one of those moods just, today. Just, I can I, feel yeah, it. Whatever. It's Listen, just... uh, one one thing that struck me was uh, that Kay Granger, the Appropriations Committee chair, yes. said that she will now start the appropriations process with the instructions from the debt limit vote. Yeah. So it's so it's a so it was a de facto budget resolution. And, and I think that is great because you know, you keep hearing in the press, you know, the New York Times article where I pulled that clip from said basically Oh, Biden, uh, I'm sorry, uh, McCarthy passes debt limit bill, paving the way for a clash with Biden and uh, debt on arrival and, you know, yeah. message vote and everything else. No, it's not. Yeah. There's two, in my opinion, there's two reasons why. One is this shows once again that the that the fact that it took 15 vote, 15 attempts for, for McCarthy to become speaker and the deal that was cut with the conference is pro proving to be good for the institution um, as well as the slim majority because it's uh, the bill was out there for everyone to see it yeah man for many many days yeah and it was hardly an open process the vote was less than certain when it came to the floor but more importantly it's forcing the GOP to work together and as you'll hear in the interview um, uh, they are working together on this so I you know, you and I, have been, well, we say it, we call it like we see it. We've been critical, uh, but I'm going to give credit where credit's due. And I think Speak McCarthy is, is racking up wins. Yeah, the good thing, there's two good things about this, two notable things about this before we go on to our next one. Um, first is the Republicans just essentially ignored the 1974 Budget Control Act, Budget Act, which is um, Budget Control and Anti-Empowerment Act, I guess was the full title of it. Anyway... Um, that thing is a piece of junk. It's a disaster, and it's always been a disaster, and I'm glad they worked around it. Um, and now that they've worked around it, my guess is every every Congress from here on out is going to work around it the same way. I've been thinking we should call for its repeal, but basically the Republicans repealed it last night. They're like, you know yeah, what? We're not doing it. a budget resolution. We're not doing these 302 allocations. We're not doing any of this stuff. Um, we're just going to pass this, and we're going to – you know, appropriations going to pick up and do it. That's thing one. Can I, th can I say thing two? Of course. Thing two, I want to read you something that was in uh, Politico's whatever morning thinger um, is. Um, Brendan Buck. Former, I did see this this morning. <laughs> a former top advisor to Boehner and yes. Ryan who regularly tussled with conservatives. Interesting that they don't identify Boehner or Ryan as conservatives. Exactly. Said it's, quote, remarkable that McCarthy is not only getting Republicans to vote for a debt limit hike, but that, quote, no one seems to be using that against him. Keep keeping the quote on. This is something that none of us have been able to do, Buck said. It's very impressive. It's a very impressive achievement for him, particularly given how many people we know are out to get him at the start. Okay. I just want to say a couple of things about that real quick. I know you probably want to say a couple of things. I, too. I think you'll say them for me, but go ahead. Um, here's why it was successful. Because it did something, Brandon. Speaker Boehner and Speaker Ryan, however much you admire them, anything they proposed did literally 
nothing. So it was impossible for anybody to get behind it. And that's why you didn't achieve anything. This thing, by comparison, does something. It actually responds to the, the exigencies and the desires in the conference, which are reflective of the desires and the exigencies in the of party. Of their constituents. Exactly, the constituents. The conservatives. So that's thing one. You know, it, all you former Boehner and Ryan staffers out there are going to call me and send me emails. I want you to think before you do it. Because you're going to all wind up with your names on this this podcast next week. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you, I'm not giving, I'm not shielding anybody. Truthfully, look, you might wind up in McCollum's. Look, what I will say to that, I'll just add to that and say that um, we have credibility on this issue because we have been critical of Speaker McCarthy. Yeah. And now we are saying and giving him credit. He is quite possibly the right man at the right time right. for this job. That's right. And he's starting to prove that out. This was a this is a very very good piece of legislation. Yeah. yeah. And and you know the And if Kate Granger follows through then it does give the house leverage because the appropriation bills will reflect this and they have to the senate ha, like it or not they have to negotiate, have to, have to negotiate the appropriation right. bills and, even if it ends up being an omnibus and, and the so thank you speaker mccarthy and thank you republicans for putting something out there that yeah. is substantive and meaningful and could have a lasting impact yeah, and that and that's the that's the outcome that that is this is how the process is supposed to work Everybody has something. Everybody has a piece of it. Everybody gets heard. And at the end of the day, they vote. The thing about Kay Granger that's interesting, and we're going to talk about this at some point later. Granger, when this thing first came out, when, when people started talking about spending freezes or this stuff, that, and the other thing, Granger said, I'm not in favor of, I'm not going to do anything. I forget exactly how she said it. But she basically said, I'm not going to do anything that's going to cut the defense budget. By limiting the defense budget to no more than a 1% increase every year, you guarantee that the budget's going to um, have a wind up getting cut because of inflation, right? Um, which, by the way, it needs to. Well, nobody can justify a trillion dollar defense budget to me. I've, I've asked everybody, and nobody can manage yeah. to do it. Like, what exactly are we buying for that trillion yeah. dollars, boys? Um, so even Kay Granger reads what's going on in the world, understands it, and you know has to respond to her constituents back in Fort Worth. I realize one of her constituents is the F-35 factory in Fort Worth, but has to go back and explain to all her constituents in Fort Worth why she voted for this thing or why she didn't vote for this thing. And it's an interesting vote. Interesting vote. And, you know, I don't classify her as a conservative or, or a moderate. She's, she's, she's an appropriator. She's an appropriator. Now that's the third, that's the yeah, third that's party, the third right? Party. That's the third part of the party. Yeah, she's right. an appropriator. Anyway, sorry. Okay, so – uh, we're not going to belabor this. Um, I'm sure we will. Just not. No, now. no, not the, that. This. We're not going to belabor this. I played the last part of uh, Tucker Carlson's response to the insanity for the week. Yes. Which I thought was very inspirational and really like he's very good because he's basically saying, stand by because something, something's going to happen here. Right? Yeah. So- I listened to the whole thing, and I went back and listened to the whole heritage speech. And if I didn't know better, he he sounds like a like a person in the middle of a religious conversion. I, uh, he he you know he, 
his speech is now inflected with things that only religious people speak about, you know, uh, absolutes like, hey, the truth. Truth. You know, the, the truth. As long as you can hear the words, That's there right. is hope. That's right. There's hope, right? That if you take the S off of words, you just say, as long the as you word. hear the word, there is hope. At, at, that's St. Paul right there. Um, it, it, I don't know what's going on. I don't pretend to know what's going on, but I get the feeling that we are watching a guy who's in the middle of some sort of metanoia in and, his life. And, and a guy who has a tremendous following. And yeah. could and could do very good things. So I, I am in, uh, eagerly in anticipation as of we, some of the next moves here. As we have so. discussed this morning already, God chooses his vehicles, and sometimes they don't make any sense to people, but yeah. he, he does it anyway. So uh, this is probably the single most ridiculous thing out of the 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 the, the out plethora of, this out of, this podcast. of ridiculous things that I have ever heard. And an, an official say, "Oh, the Granholm thing." Secretary Jenny thinks yeah. that we should EV the entire armed forces fleet. I mean, this is serious. She has seriously jumped the shark on this one. All right, there's just I don't know how ridiculous. How long? How far do you think one of those tanks will will roll on a charge? You know, I, I don't even like. This is just now we have reached. Fantasy, like, like yes, fantasy, exactly. exactly. We, we, the we're... Secretary of Energy. Well, is she really? So, uh, you know, I'll leave it at that. You, you, you can know, count I, there's no, what, like, can, but I, I, what I, can you possibly say? You know, this is what happens when you hire a Canadian to do a job. You wind up with Canadian type <laughs> products. Well, as you heard from the interview, some Canadians actually open up minds, though. So, Mike just said something we edited here, ladies and gentlemen, on the Unregulated Podcast. We don't do it too often, but. Um, okay. All, all three of us agreed at once. Yeah, we yeah. can't have that. <laughs> all right. Um, and then Manchin. Now, I, what? Uh, so it turns out he wants to repeal his own bill. He turns. Well, it obviously he, he will. If he doesn't, if if they don't turn the ship around, he wants to repeal his own bill. I, so I, he, here we are. I'm back to where I was in the whole in the entire beginning on Manchin. Which is which is he's a lackluster at best legislator. Uh, and this is – he is like beyond that, he's really just doing a tremendous disservice to the people of West Virginia and the country. He's he's a showman. Like everybody knows that there's no way that this bill is going to be repealed. There's just no way. So all his big tough talk about how he's going to repeal his own bill is just trying to cover his butt for – a a one of the biggest yeah. mistakes yeah. that he has made in his career. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put an an addendum on that. I'm assuming that he knows that that's not how this process works. I mean, he is a United States senator, so I'm gonna assume he knows that. Like, you know, he he can't. He's not gonna get. Um, 218 in the House and 60 in the Senate and get the president to sign anything that looks like a repeal. So let's just assume he knows that, um, in which case he was an idiot for saying it, or if he believes it, he's an idiot for believing it. But there doesn't seem to be any middle ground here. I mean, he's either... I'm always amazed at how careless people are with their thoughts. I just, I'm like, he must have known this thing from the beginning was going to get used by the by by Team Biden, 
They made no secret. Say what you want about Team Biden. They have made no secret of the fact that they intend to hit the the, the pedal to the floor and and um, interpret everything to to maximize their ability to press for for you know alternative energy. Of course, they've never hidden that fact. Of course, why would he give them? But but I mean, last year he literally gave them a blank check, and now he's pissed off that they filled in like the blank check for like you know a kajillion dollars. I'm like, what? I, what'd you expect? Well, and then, of course, Secretary Jenny did come out in support of the uh, pipeline, of his pipeline, the DOE said that. So big, big bluster and fury till he gets his pipeline and then he'll sort of, you know, quiet down. Who knows? But the point is, is that I'm done with him. I'm done with so him. So am I. I'm done with I'm I've always done been done with him. I was, I was. I, I had some hope there, but. No, It was me. dashed. No. All right. So I have been struggling with this question and i you know strongly supported president trump aea endorsed president trump uh, if president trump's the nominee i will of course support president trump i am a fan of governor desantis but i think bill maher really crystallized it with his little comment there why would a maga voter support a cover band when they can actually hear the actual band that's that's what I think it might come down to in this primary. Maybe, maybe you you know you have to you have to. I mean, it's early. It's very early. So, um, but I I I thought I put that in there because I thought that was yeah you know, pretty I, astute. What so. well, here, here's the thing, right? Um, Bill Maher's an entertainer. I guess he doesn't entertain me at all. I've always found him annoying. Oh yeah. Um, it's not that simple. I get it, but it's it's also it makes sense, right? If you have if you're a, if you're a Trump supporter and you came into this into this because you support Trump and Trump is I out only, there, on I only the know scene. of two kinds of Trump supporters, and I don't know that. And the, the relevant question in this campaign is which one of the which one of these supporters predominates? There's only two kinds of Trump supporters, and you know them too. Everyone knows them. There's the mega hat wearing scream at you in the middle of Easter dinner, Trump supporters. Um, and then there's the guys who are like, I totally dig what he's doing, but golly, I wish he'd shut up some more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know which one's the plurality, which one has right. the majority. And that's the determining if, – if, if that second kind is 70% of Trump supporters, right. then DeSantis is going to win. Right. Because he, because he's like, I'll do everything, but you wanted to listen to this guy. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, he's kind of like, he's a little bit like, you know what he's like? He's like a real estate agent or a contractor who does good work, but God Almighty yaps at you over the phone like <laughs> twice a day. You're just like, just do the work and shut yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. All right, folks, uh, we've got a lot of show and a little bit of time because we we do want to allow for the uh, the full interview with Congress Tauber. So, I have one announcement. Um, I want to sh- give a shout out to my good friend Emily, uh, who reached out to me last week out of the blue. Uh, Emily lives in the free state of California, so she especially appreciates when we heap tons of praise on her beloved Governor Gavin, the bastion of freedom. Yeah. So that's my announcement. Uh, I got two. One, I want to welcome Dan Byers. I hope that doesn't get you in trouble with your colleagues, Dan. I'm glad you listen. Um, and you know when we bash you guys, it's out of love. Um, you mean the the organization that opposed 
is cutting subsidies. The organization the formerly known IRA as formerly known as Prince. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Seriously. No. Do welcome to the show. We love we 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 love the audience growing. So yeah, thank but you. But still, it, it, you know. <laughs> and I also want to say um, welcome to our uh, one of our longer dated um, listeners, Hillary. Um, yeah, it's the CIA World Factbook. You find it online. Super easy. Best source of information on the planet. Um, they up it every. They re up it every year. So, oh, and I'm looking forward to the tour, Hillary. Okay, this day in history, uh, I'll, I'll roll through these. 1805. I'm sorry. What day is today? Day. Today's 26th. The 27th of April in 1805. Lewis and Clark set out for Missouri. No. Set out for something. No. This was the day that U.S. agent William Eaton led U.S. forces to the shores of Tripoli. Tripoli. Eh. Good for him. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hum the Marine Corps here. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. All right. Um, one more. Uh, Eighteen sixty-five. Uh, Eighteen sixty-five. The last Confe- the Confederate Army in North Carolina surrenders. No, but I'm 18- close, aren't I? The um, steamship Sultana explodes on the Mississippi River near Memphis, killing 1,700 passengers. Holy mackerel. Including many discharged Union soldiers so that they were transporting the POWs from the mighty Mississippi. Oh, boy. And uh, it was way over capacity. Sure. They had had a patch-up deal. They were trying to, like, quickly move them out. And uh, it is still... To this day, the largest maritime disaster in U.S. history. I guess the Titanic doesn't count because it was in U.S. history. Correct. 1981, sir. 1981. April 27, 1981. Uh, you won't get this one. Well, let's see. It's, I'm, it's computers. I'm, I'm going to guess. I'll tell you right now. I can tell you right now what happened. It. Uh, I starred. <laughs> I participated. We'll say I participated... In the in my last high school musical, My Fair Lady. On the twenty seventh? It had to have been close okay. to the twenty seventh. Because it was always the last weekend in April and the first weekend in May. Okay. So it was pretty close. But you want to go you want me to tell you that it's the development, invention of the mouse. Boom! Xerox Park debuted the first personal computer mouse. Meanwhile, my children don't know how to use one. A mouse? So. No, why would you? Because they're all trackpads. These it, days. It's it's like it's. I'm the I'm still a mouse guy. Sorry, I like the mouse. When was the last time they saw a, a phone on a desk? <laughs> that is true. Seriously. Okay. Um, 2014. April 2014. Have no idea. This is the day that Pope Benedict the Sixteenth canonized Pope John Paul the Second. Okay. And lastly, I've always been skeptical of that kind full of full circle. Yeah, on uh, telephones and in, in on this day in 1791, Samuel Morse was born. Really? Yes, sir. In Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, invented, of course, the electric telegraph and the code. Let's hope so. So amply named after. If him. not, if not, we're using a wrong name for All it. All right. Anything else on the debt ceiling? We got that out. I've of way? talked enough about the debt ceiling. Okay. Uh, how about the race for the White House? Ready? Yeah, okay. Ready to talk about this? Yeah, I guess so. Um, this is from the New York Times. Steep, it's deeply distressing, but okay. Sorry, this, this is from the Washington Post. I have to take it back. Yo, what's the diff? 
Biden announced his 2024 re-election bid oh, yeah, in case that, you didn't hear it. That happened this week, didn't it? <laughs> Saying he wants to finish the job. That's the most terrifying way sentence I could ever imagine. Yes. I started a job on you guys. I want to finish it. You're like, yikes. Yeah. Uh, at 6 a.m., he released a video. That, see, that's the thing. He didn't really make an announcement. He just released the a video. The basement campaign has, re- has begun. Yes. They're going to they're gonna have to do this again. I mean, you know, the, the funny thing is the, the you know team Biden were like, ah, we're going to have events and blah, 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 blah. Here's the president's schedule today. He's going to get a presidential daily briefing. He's going to take some kind of phone call. That's it. That's the day. There you go. So, you know. So we once again a a presidency that will be waged kind of inf- waged on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Would you feel better if he was energetic and was doing I bad know. stuff? I don't. I kind of go back I and feel. forth. I don't know how I feel about it, but I will say this. Yes, uh, I think this is kind of where we're headed with with respect to presidential politics. The video things. The video thing. seems that way. Vivek. 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 I think Vivek. it's Vivek. It's well. You're the one married. I'm pretty to, sure it's Vivek. You're the one married uh, to India, not me. Same thing. He's he's to his credit, he's going places. But if you notice in his videos, he never pans the crowd. Yeah, he's just either standing on a chair or he's you know they're 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 pointing at him. I I in the past week, I don't know what kind of bankroll he has, but I can I I have seen more of him. Yeah. It is interesting. I have a pretty good it idea. Interesting. I have a pretty situation. good idea what his bankroll is yeah. and who's doing it. Um, you know, he's he's on a bus tour in Iowa. They wanted they they I asked could I interview him? And they said, yeah, why don't you come on a bus tour? You'll have lots of access. I'm like, I'm not going on a bus tour. <laughs> we, of we Iowa. used to do bus tours. Come on. Yeah, you and me used to do bus tours. The idea of sitting on a bus with with Vivek Ramaswamy's campaign. You did it with you did it with Dave Matthews. It's a lot better. <laughs> I mean, this is this sounds terrible. Anyway, go ahead. So he's everywhere. He's like Johnny Cash. He's well, he's, he's like, all over the Twitters and the social medias. Yeah, he's 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 even interviewed our buddy Neil. Did oh, you see that? Boy, I did. Okay, and then, why is my question? Why? Um, RFK Junior's coming out swinging. Interesting. I saw a survey that has him with nineteen percent. Yeah, and. Of course, the Biden administration and the DNC have announced that they will probably not have a primary. That's well, they're not going to have any debates. Which they got to have a primary. They're not going to have any debates. Is incredible it's to kind of weird. I'm wondering how many of those voters think like it's like this guy Kennedy is one of the actual Kennedys, like he's Ted Kennedy who's still alive kind of thing. I mean, he's. I have he's no idea. RFK Jr. So it, he's it, got it, he's got the name. It's it's a testament to the power of name, of idea, course. And politics. And I man. will say this: without without having hardly any exposure, he's at fourteen percent. That tells you uh, that the tells you the American polls people. about people not wanting Biden to run again tells you that the American people are idiots. Okay, I'm gonna I'm not gonna agree with you on that. Uh, and Trump hit DeSantis yet again. Last week we played a clip where he implored oh. him not to run. This week I his him a young man, don't forget that. This week his clip was he would not have won his governor race without me. He's nothing without me. This is disloyalty. Don't support DeSantis. Yeah. Whatever. It it um he obviously is living in his head rent free, right? Exactly. I don't understand any of this. Okay, and then lastly, I don't know if you heard this. This is from The Hill. 
Asa Hutchinson formally launches his 2024 presidential campaign. Responding to the enormous demand <laughs> to everybody I'm for a, a for a former governor from Arkansas, what we need is Asa Hutchinson, said approximately no one. Well, you know, Bill Clinton was a hell of a president, so maybe maybe there's something there. Let me ask know. you a question. I just thought it was interesting that, like, in all of this, we also have a new entry into the presidential race. In let, me ask you, let me ask you a question about this. Yeah, shoot. Asa Hutchinson's got to be polling around 1%. How would you feel if you were him? A former governor, a former Department of, you know, Secretary of Homeland Security, an, an accomplished human being. You're literally running 14 points behind Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's almost certifiable. You, don't you think the universe is telling you something yeah. at that point? Yeah. Well, he's got a, he's he believes he's the right man at the right time. So that's one. Okay. Um, I. Anything else on the on the presidential race? Oh God, I didn't want to talk about how much. And you didn't much want to talk did. about any of it to begin with. Right, exactly. Fair enough. Um, all right, um, I've got to give an update here. This is I, I, dun, 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 I had planned dun, dun, dun. on doing this a couple of weeks ago, but then we got sidetracked, and I just want to close the loop on this. This is such a bizarre thing. Do you remember I brought up the the three the chief of staff for Larry Hogan who sure, was man. like three days yeah his chief of staff yeah and, and really and he gave himself a big raise and then he went on the he went like went on the lamb went on the you lamb. tell the story ends this is it, he's dead i know he killed himself this is from the washington times our uh our our supporter our um our co um co-sponsor ex larry hogan aide made no plans to travel for his trial fbi says a former top Maryland official who skipped his trial on corruption charges and died last month as a fugitive in an armed confrontation with federal agents after a three-week manhunt had made no plans to travel for his trial in Baltimore, according to newly unsealed FBI affidavit. Roy McGrath, one-time chief of staff, missed his first day of trial in federal court on March 13th, triggering a manhunt that ended when he was wounded in a shooting on April 3rd near Knoxville. This is insane. I like it. You're going to go out, go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> what in the hell? Like we used to, like and we, the FBI is like, well, you know, he didn't show up, so we had to so like hunt him down, him. and we had a shootout. Well, it's like we said in the White this House. This is insane. It's great. It's like we used to say in the White House, blaze in, blaze out. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, man. Uh, all right, I have a a car update. Your car update? A car update. Let's have it. This is from CNBC. GM to end production of electric Chevy Bolt. Yeah. Its first mass market EV later this year. General Motors plans to stop production by the end of this year, CEO Mary Barra told investors. The Bolt... EV and EUV, a larger version, make up the vast majority of the company's electric sales to date. By the way, uh, we've had many, many uh, recalls of that particular vehicle as well. And happens to be one of the only vehicles on the market that's in the range of affordability for consumers. Yeah. But and what do they want to do? Well, they want to focus on trucks. Yeah, they want to sell electric. They want to sell electric trucks and electric Hummers. Yeah. So I would too. It's where the bunny is. They're not making any money on these bold things. What? I'm sorry. Are you trying to tell me that there's not a huge demand for electric trucks? 
I'm trying to say that this is proving that this is all just a numbers game for these for these auto companies. They're not making they're not making vehicles that anyone can afford. What are you talking about? They're making money. They're making money, and their new partners in the federal government are going to make sure they make money. It, it's it, this. If if you're here's how I interpreted this that statement from GM, right? That hey, we want to focus on making trucks and Hummers because they that we have a bigger profit margin, even though the trucks and the Hummers are out of reach because of the because um, of the um, MSRP restrictions in the in the IRA. How I interpreted that is we are pretty confident that two or three years down the road when these things start coming online in earnest, federal government's going to blow up those constraints and like start giving tax credits to everybody. So I just and you know what? They may not be wrong. The bolt nas- national starting price of 265. Yeah. The decline comes uh, as GM gears up to bring new models models to showrooms. The the new Chevy EV Equinox will start at thirty. The Blazer at which, by 45. the way, which by the way, I don't believe either of those numbers. Right. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the Equinox or the Blazer right. going to start at that those numbers. The electric ones, at any rate. And of course, uh, for its part, GM said it was any production because the factory in which it's made needs to close to retool to make all these yeah. wonderful vehicles that cars. everyone really wants to buy. Well, we're going to find so, out. I, I'm. I said I had. Very little sympathy for the automakers. Oh. I'm starting to have none. You know, you look. There's a so. reason why. There's a reason why to this to this day, 150 years after they started to um, be rapacious, people still have lingering doubts about railroads in this country. Because when the federal government is your partner, guess what? Um, some of that stink winds up on you yeah. for a long time, for generations. All right, let's get to the good stuff here. Uh, Mike and I had the pleasure of visiting uh, uh, Congressman Peter Stauber this morning up on the Capitol. Um, we have, as you, uh, our listeners, may be aware, the Institute for Energy Research, our research arm, unveiled a pretty major study uh, report on the state of mining in, the, in America and uh, uh, the congressman got a copy of that and reached out to us and wanted to chat more about it. And so it gave us an excuse to have an interview. So here he is, in his words, Congressman Pete Stauber. We're here with Congressman Pete Stauber. Congressman, welcome to the program. Hey, it's great to be here. Could you YouTube. just tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Because it's interesting and fascinating, and I'm sure they'd love to know. Oh, so uh, uh, my name's uh, Pete Stauber. I grew up in Duluth, Minnesota. And... Uh, uh, six brothers, hockey playing family, and uh, you know, served as a city councilor, county commissioner. Uh, married my wife, who spent 25 years in the military. She's an Iraq War veteran. We have six children. Um, a police officer uh, for 23 years. Prior to that, I was a professional hockey player. And um, you know, Minnesota, Northern Minnesota is my home, and it's the eighth congressional district that I am proud and privileged to serve. And it's just an it's an honor for me to be here in Washington, fighting for. Uh, what we call those economic drivers and really fighting for our way of life uh, back home. Awesome. Now I have to ask, have you ever met Herb Brooks? I have. Yes. In fact, Herb Brooks, uh, uh, the year after they won the gold medal in 1981, he uh, dropped the puck uh, at our Bantam state championship game in Roseville, Minnesota. So yes, I have. Awesome. What a great character. Oh yeah. Yeah, Great coach. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. As you know, 
The Institute for Energy Research just issued a report, uh, some fancy long title, but we called it Mind Baby Mind uh, because uh, what it basically points out is that if the Biden administration and Europe and all these other places want to move us to, to some net zero situation in terms of energy, it would require a lot of minerals and a lot of mineral processing. And right now we don't have it. And, and, and can you talk a little bit about why this stuff is important, not only for the country, but also for your district in particular? Well, let's talk about for the country first time. It's important because we use critical minerals in our everyday life from medical instrument technology uh, to our defense weapons. Um, for instance, uh, the F-35 plant in Fort Worth, Texas would shut down today if the communist country of China stopped selling us those critical minerals. And by the way, we have those critical minerals in the United States of America. We have them in northeastern Minnesota. For your listeners, northeastern Minnesota mines uh, the iron ore that makes 80% of this nation's steel. And, and we helped win two world wars. So in the Iron Range, it's, there's something called the Duluth Complex. It's the biggest copper nickel find in the world. And the Biden administration will not let us mine those critical minerals. Um, it has 95% of our nickel reserve, almost 90% of our cobalt, over a third of our copper and other platinum group metals. And they just put a mining ban on it simply because of their anti-mining agenda. Um, and uh, they're, they're following their, their anti-mining folks that, that don't want to extract the minerals we have ethically and responsibly, best labor standards. So it, it's critically important to me being parochial on our district, number one, and then for the nation overall, uh, strategically, this administration um, must get on the side of the American worker and the American miner. We have the ability to do that. We need the political will. We should never, ever rely on the communist country of China. And right now they're doing that. You know, China has a strategic a hold on the critical minerals around the world. In fact, in the in the Congo, they have 15 of 19 uh, industrial mines. They own it and they employ child slave labor. And this administration just worked an MOU with them. That's unconscionable. We should never buy any critical minerals uh, mined by child slave labor. This administration, Tom, is turning their eye uh, to those atrocities in order to get their green agenda that's quite frankly not working. Yeah. So the report points out that 80% of either the minerals or the processing of the minerals, even if we mined it here, we don't have any of the processing facilities. We would have to ship it to China and bring it back. And they have this fixation with what they call net zero emissions. Where they, they essence, in essence, they want to move us from a hydrocarbon-based energy an economy to a minerals-based energy and economy. That's what this transition to EVs and all this other stuff, wind and solar, would, would require. And yet at the same time, not only the mine in your district, but all across the country, the agencies have shut down at every turn or environmentalists have shut down at every turn. So there's this dichotomy with their agenda of trying to get us off of the resources that we have here and onto resources that we're completely dependent on. China for. Right. They have no answer for that. So what do you know, what, what do we do here? Well, they don't have an answer 
but they do have an agenda uh, that's to put uh, America last. What this administration is doing is allowing China to take hold in so many areas. And that's why the Republicans, our top priority was HR1, which was Lower American Lower uh, Energy Cost Act. That included uh, uh, permitting reform. If we get HR1 across the finish line, if, if, the, if the US Senate and Chuck Schumer would put politics aside, bring HR1 to the floor, it would help America. We will. We would be able to per, uh, reform our permitting process, which we know we need badly. We will be able to mine in this country, process in this country, which you just said, and of course bring our manufacturing back. The HR one is a is a, one of the best pieces of legislation, literally in a generation for energy and uh, minerals. It'll help us become energy independent and critical mineral dominant. We can control our own destiny. Right now, we are hamstrung by the political uh, will of this Biden administration to become anti-energy uh, and anti-critical minerals. And so if we don't change uh, uh, soon, uh, we're gonna be in dire states. We're already behind the eight ball because once you, once these mines, uh, you know, once we know where the minerals are, um, it takes, you know, several years to start the process to actually get the minerals, extract the minerals uh, if, in order for us to use them. Um, and my Permitting for Mining Needs Act, for example, allows that process to be transparent and, uh, and uh, give certainty, a time certainty uh, in this, this investment. Like right now in Minnesota, we have a mine that's uh, in its 20th year of permitting and litigation. Uh, one other mine is in its 10th year and, and they're pulling these mines offline. But in the same watershed in Ontario, Canada, they opened up, they permitted and opened up a gold mine in three years. Same watershed. We can do it. Uh, we have to have the political will. And, and I will tell you that uh, the district uh, that I represent, Minnesota, Minnesota's 8th Congressional District, we, we are ready, able, and willing uh, to extract these minerals in a responsible way to help this country. Um, we just uh, have to have uh, an administration that supports that. And uh, for, from, from my perspective, um, we have to get HR1 passed um, and, uh, you know, and move forward. And we, you will see a definite difference in, in uh, our, our strategic uh, mineral and energy dominance when we do that. Um, you're seeing, I mean, you're seeing right now posturing by the Biden administration. They can never, and I'll repeat this, they can never meet their agenda without domestic mining. And they can never uh, meet their agenda without the numerous pieces of legislation in HR1. We can't rely on foreign adversarial nations. COVID has taught us a lot. If we don't learn from COVID, shame on us. Talk for a second about unions. So unions in Northeastern Minnesota, um, unions are, they support me uh, because I support their, uh, their jobs, the, these mining and construction jobs that are so important. Um, one of the, uh, the mines, uh, I was there in a, uh, that when they signed a project labor agreement, for example. Um, these, are, these are my friends and neighbors um, that, uh, that I want to have good paying jobs. The average union job uh, in Northeastern Minnesota right now in the taconite mines is close to $100,000 and that's without overtime. Mm -hmm. You talk about building the economy, 
Uh, you talk about uh, allowing um, that monies to generate uh, within Northeastern Minnesota. We are on the cusp of something very, very important. And the union men and women are going to help us do that. Uh, they're supporters of mine. I've had numerous endorsements uh, from many unions uh, and, and I appreciate them. Um, uh, I appreciate them a lot. And, uh, and since I've been here, um, I've been continuously fighting uh, for these uh, mining jobs because I know uh, two things. It's gonna help us strategically and it is gonna be bring good paying jobs. I wanna fight for the American worker and in particular, the Northeastern Minnesota worker. I'm parochial for jobs in my district and what an example we can have. Couldn't have a better energy. Let me, let me, let me, let me let you take a divergence. Tell everybody why taconite is important. Yeah, so if you don't have, if we don't have taconite, we don't make steel in this country. Uh, you know, taconite's the, the primary component in steel making um, uh, along with uh, betonite and coal. So if you don't make that, you can't make steel. And we strategically, steel making is a national security interest. That's why uh, President Trump in his 232 tariffs said to the communist country of China, who wants to put our steel making uh, mills out of business, he said, uh -uh, we're gonna tariff your steel because we know what you're trying to do. You're trying to undercut the American market, North American market, and then when we all close, you're, they want to dominate it. That's part of their initiative. That's the fight we have. And we cannot let them do that. And Biden is tinkering with removing the 232 tariffs. We can't allow that to happen. And, uh, uh, and I'll fight with every fiber in my body uh, to protect the American worker. We couldn't have a better energy and mineral subcommittee chair for that. Talk about what you're doing in resources. What, what, what's your position and what are you, what are you doing? So I have, uh, you know, in, in Congress, we have eight committees and B committees. Eight committees are energy and commerce, ways and means. Well, I'm on, I, you'd call them. They, they call them A and B. I, yeah. I think the B should be the A, quite go honestly. Soft, go. <laughs> but go ahead. And this is what I'm getting at. I'm on natural resources and, uh, and uh, transportation and infrastructure. Those are two A committees for the district that I represent. I'm also on small business. So the natural resources, obviously, we are a natural resource-based economy uh, and uh, northern Minnesota, our mining and timber harvesting are second to none. And so for me to uh, not only be on the uh, natural resources full committee, but then be allowed to be the chair of the energy and mineral subcommittee, which has jurisdiction uh, on uh, federal lands and waters for oil and gas, wind and solar, and of course, mining, that's right in our wheelhouse. And, um, you know, my very first, uh, we said, when we get into the majority, we are gonna take Washington to the American people. We're gonna take, we're gonna take Washington, our committee hearings out to the American people. Uh, my first uh, committee hearing uh, was in uh, Midland, Texas um, at uh, Uni University of Texas Permian Basin. And we talked about uh, the importance of those traditional fuels of oil and gas. So as a, as a, as a party, the Republican party, we, we, we talk about, uh, we used to say all of the above. Now we say all of the best energy, all of the best energy. And that includes traditional fossil fuels. 85% uh, of this, of the energy generated in this, uh, in, in the world is fossil fuels. 
that's only going to continue to grow because by 2050, there's going to be 2 billion more people in this world and we're all energy consumers. And so we have the, we have the ability uh, to do it here. We can do it safer here. We can do it um, cleaner here with American technology, American workers. In fact, uh, when, if you look at uh, how we extract oil and gas, we do it 41% cleaner than any other nation. Yeah, we have uh, issued also a report at IR called the Environmental Quality Index. Yep, yep. And the numbers bear it out. Nobody does it better than the United States of America in terms of oil and gas production. If you want a cleaner environment, don't go begging Venezuela for oil. Don't go begging uh, Iraq no. for oil, right, right. Iran for oil, et cetera. Right. Uh, you mentioned important legislation. Last night, you all passed the debt uh, ceiling uh, bill tied to the important spending reductions and other uh, components of the bill. Congratulations on that. Yeah. Tell us what the next steps are. So that was an important bill. You know, the um, the we're not going to default on our debt. Um, the, the disasters uh, that have happened that could happen, we're not going to default on our debt. Uh, but we did. We raised the debt ceiling uh, in conjunction over ten years, lowering the debt four point eight trillion. That was just on that piece of legislation, and it was important that we get it across uh, and out of the house, pass it out of the house, because now. Uh, the president has to negotiate. Uh, Biden did not want to negotiate, still probably doesn't want to negotiate. He wants a clean debt ceiling. Uh, that's not the arena we're going to play in right now. Uh, we have to limit our spending. Uh, we have to allow the taxpayers' monies to be saved. We know that the U.S. taxpayer is better off uh, having more of their money that they earned than giving it to the federal government. And we have to grow our economy. And growing our economy HR1 is part of that. Um, and so we're proud to pass it out of the House. Uh, we we, we uh, want Joe Biden to come to the table. He must negotiate with Kevin Car McCarthy. And um, I think the American people look forward to that. They're seeing our legislation. And, and when we come together, uh, we, we can uh, you know, limit the spending in Washington, which has, been, which has been just outrageous. Have any of your kids followed in your footsteps and are playing hockey? Yes. So I have uh, three of my six kids thus far playing hockey. Um, my oldest boy is uh, playing at Michigan Tech and uh, he's he just uh, ended his sophomore season and he's going to go back there and very excited. I love college hockey uh, in March and uh, early April. I'm glued to the television watching college hockey. And, and of course, it's over now. Uh, Quinnipiac won the national championship. We want to congratulate them, although they beat my Minnesota Gophers. Yeah. Uh, and then um, now it's the NHL playoffs, and and uh, we have. I'm I'm rooting for the Wild to get through round one. They have to beat Dallas. Well, I was born in Buffalo, and so we're in a deep, deep hole in, in terms of getting into the playoffs in the NHL. Yeah. So. so my my younger brother Rob played in Buffalo, right? Oh yeah. And my uh, nephew Jackson plays for the Chicago Blackhawks. Nice. So we have a uh, we have a hockey is, you know, if you come from Minnesota, hockey is just you have the opportunity. You'll at least be exposed to it um, um, almost every day. <laughs> yeah. When's the next time a Canadian team's going to win the Stanley Cup? Um, We're like thirty years into this now. Last one, I think was. I you know what I I think Edmonton is. Yeah, Edmonton uh, with Connor McDavid, and they've got a good uh, cast of, of hockey players. Um, I think 
What's that? I actually have to play. I watch him. It's 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 absolutely amazing. Yeah, he's your play. No, he's just he's a special player, and it's great for the National Hockey League to have those um, those great players. So. Well, we are very grateful for your time. We know you've got. Oh, you got more. I'm oh, sorry. You guys are here. We, we're not we're not synced up this morning. We had to go. We had to go to Alaska a couple of weeks ago, and we talked all the energy environments you would expect. Uh, I asked Wes. I asked him the same question we asked you. Forget about energy environment for a second. Tell us about the district. Tell us about Northern Minnesota. Northern Minnesota is a it, it's a wonderful place. Um, I uh, we have four beautiful seasons, although winter is extending itself a little longer than most of us want this year, you know? So, I mean, um, next week, May 2nd, is supposed to snow. Yes. <laughs> the forecast is snow, but uh, we have four beautiful seasons. Uh, it's a natural resource-based economy. It's beautiful. We, you know, we hunt, we fish, we ATV, we ice fish, we snowmobile, cross country, bike. We have it all. Um, and it's right on the uh, uh, western edge of Lake Superior. Um, Northern Minnesota is is beautiful. Um, uh, my wife and I are like right, like I say, raising six kids, and and it's just a, it's a it's just a it's a special place in my heart. I was born and raised there. I have no intention of leaving. We uh, we'll gladly accept invitation to tour some of the some of the district with you, and maybe do a little ice fishing along yeah. the way. So, yeah. what do you want to tell us that you have? I will just say that that um, I never six years ago I never thought I'd be in this position. Uh, six years ago I was a county commissioner of St. Louis County, doing good things for the citizens and pushing the squad car around, right? Uh, and um, you know, along the way I was a city councilor, county commissioner, and it's the yearning for public service. It really is. I will tell you that 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 this position is not a career for me. This is my passion. Uh, my careers were professional hockey, police, small business owner for 31 years. This is a passion. Um, somebody says, you know, Pete, you're full of energy. How long can you go? And I say, as long as I've got it in me. Right now, I have um, I have a lot of fuel in my tank because I see that the best days for this country are yet ahead. And I'm in a position to try to help move that forward. In my small sphere of influence, we can do it. And right now, so I'm in my fifth year, we're entering in our fifth year in Congress. I'm halfway up our court seniority and we're getting, our, our leadership is giving us more responsibility. We're giving uh, my history in law enforcement, 23 years in Duluth. Uh, where where Kevin has asked uh, our office to be that point on law enforcement and of course uh, mining and and that's right in our wheelhouse um, and that's I, I have a passion for that and and so I, I will just say that this this is you know for you, the people that are listening to this uh, our best days are yet to come we are going through some tough times as a country but we are resilient we are resilient people we are a resilient nation. And no administration um, can bring down this country. We are we are the greatest country in the world. With the we give the the greatest opportunity uh, to our people, and it's worth fighting for. And that's that's why I'm. That's the passion I have.
We definitely should end on that. But before we do, I want to thank you for all your service in various capacities. And I want to thank your staff. You've got one of the best staffs on the Hill. Thank you for mentioning Especially that. Des. You know, Tom, you had, um, you're, you're aware that we do have good staff um, and I'm proud of my staff. They work hard. Um, and I'll just, my hockey analogy is, is you, you, you have to behave on and off the ice. And uh, my staff knows when they leave this building and are out in the community, they're representing me. Um, and I don't put up with any shenanigans, um, you know, and, and so far we've, we've, we've hired good people. They work hard. They know that their signatures on everything you do every single day, every conversation uh, with a constituent or what have you. So very proud of them. And, and we're a team. I mean, I, 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 they're my teammates. I, I call them my teammates and that's how this, uh, this, uh, this, um, you know, office operates. And of course, uh, I, we have an exceptional chief of staff. Um, there's no doubt about it. I hear it all the time across the hill. Um, and I feel fortunate. And, and the, the best thing is she's from the district. I mean, she's from the heart of mining district. In fact, she's probably more passionate, uh, uh from on mining than I am. Well, thank you very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Congressman Pete Stauber. We are going to hear a lot more from you. I can feel that. So thanks for all your service and uh, look forward to getting to work, getting these minds open. Uh, great to be with you. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? It was. He's one of my favorite guys. I like him a lot. If every member of Congress was like him, it'd be a totally different organization. Yeah, good stuff. So hope you guys pay attention to him. He's he's going to be Yeah. I think he's going to do some good stuff. I hope there. I hope I hope he stays for a while. And and Des, don't don't get too big of a head. Oh my god. <laughs> that stuff's got to end. <laughs> All right, I have uh I know you hate it, but I have some covid stuff. So uh, uh before I get to it, uh on, do you do you have anything? I got two things. Um first off, uh, while we while we've been here recording, I got an email from John Bon Jovi. Um, although, it, given the video that comes with it, it actually I think it came from John Bon Jovi's grandmother because that's what he looks like now his grandmother, <laughs> telling me I should sign a birthday card for him for Cory Booker. So my respect for John Bon Jovi just dropped pretty dramatically just in the last ten minutes. He's so a I cowboy say that. and a steel horse. Um, um, that's one. Two is. Um, one of the reasons one of the reasons that um that has has emerged about why Tucker Carlson was cashiered at Fox. We 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 don't none of us know really. Nobody yet. knows. That's Nobody why knows that's, yet. that's why I say and I'm one not of the reasons get into the into all that, but I, one I, of the reasons was that Rupert Murdoch had a disagreement with him with respect to COVID? Ukraine. Oh, Ukraine. Yeah. If that turns out to be the case, that's going to be a really dark, dark thing. Well, you know, I mean, I, I would, I'm I hoping would say it's not too, the case. You know, not to get too RFK on you, but, you know, uh, Pfizer's, last I checked, they were a pretty, pretty big it, advertiser uh, on Fox uh, and some of the cable networks. And they don't tend to like the criticisms of all the vaccines and whatnot. So I, I, there, who knows what the reason is. What I hope comes out of this is that Tucker uses his platform to help drive some good things to move things in the right direction. So, 
Yes. I'm sure he will. And, and if, he'll it, make a ton of money along the way. I hope so. And if it turns There's out, no, no doubt about that. And if it turns out it's about Ukraine, then I encourage, you know, we're going to we're going to have some kind of rolling boycott on Fox. So, um uh, there's going to be a huge drop in in, in it already is. They lost a billion dollars. Yeah. I mean, I hope yeah. it was worth firing them. So I do want to talk about COVID for a little yes, bit. Yes, COVID. I'm and sorry. I'm, I mean, I just have you. three short things about it, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, the Ministry of Truth is now out in full force on this COVID stuff, and thankfully the Republicans have the oversight gavel because now they're hauling some of these folks up on the hill. Uh, one was uh, Randy Weingarten, and this is what she had to say at a recent hearing. Uh, I'm sorry, Congressman Raskin. I'm just, we spent every day from February on trying to get schools open. We knew that remote education was not a substitute for opening schools, but we also knew that people had to be safe. Thankfully, on this tweet from the Washington Free Beacon, the uh, you know the little add-ons. Yes, there's five specific fact-checking, fact-checking of those on three this, sentences. Of those three sentences, Good. there should be because they're all lies. Oh my God, unbelievable! Now that's that's one. Here's two. Who who said this? Quote, show me a school that I shut down, and show me a factory that I uh, shut down. Yeah, never, I never did. I gave a public health recommendation that echoed the CDC's recommendation, and people made a decision based on that. Yeah, Dr. Fauci. It's it's interesting to watch the rats scurry off this particular ship, man. If it was a good decision, just say it was a good decision. I stand by it. You know what? You take a lot less damage politically, but by doing this, they're going to take a lot worse damage. Yeah. Here's a, one more from our neighbor to the north. And therefore, while not forcing anyone to get vaccinated, I chose to make sure that all the incentives and all the protections were there to encourage Canadians to get vaccinated, and that's exactly what they did. Did, did what? What? Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not going to like this interpretation, but I'll give it to you anyway. Um, the fact that everybody feels a compulsive urge to go back and rework their actual position is a sign that they know they were wrong, right? Like I said, if you think what you did was legitimate, like like you know Franklin Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower didn't spend the rest of their lives going, well, you know, I'm not really forced any. We didn't force anybody to shoot Germans. You know, they were all like for the rest of their lives, like, yeah, we did it and we loved it. It was good, and I'm glad I did it. <laughs> You know, there's, there's none of this going on with this. No, it's like, well, it wasn't, it. wasn't the governor me. of New York, what? the none governor of, of Mid- I mean, none of it's none of it. Place. None of it. Which, which, by the Room way, 101, right? Which one plus one equals three. This which, is in, this which, is, which, by the way, is a is a testament to what Tucker Carlson said. You know, yes. Because earlier on, he it, said that they're, they, they can no longer persuade. Oh, I wasn't thinking about that. They, I was thinking now a, resorting to force. I wasn't thinking about that. What I was thinking about is, you know, there are places where truth is spoken, and as long as that is right, the unit, the bent of the universe is truth always finds itself out. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the bent of the universe, and that's what we're watching here. It's kind of fun. I'm enjoying it immensely. Really, I saw the Fauci thing. I started laughing. I saw the Wine Garden thing. I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. 
I didn't see the Trudeau. Did thing. you not? Uh, where then they have some truckers up there doing some stuff. I don't remember. Oh it was, boy! You know it, it. 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 Unbelievable! It's fun. It is fun. It's fun. It's so much fun. I have and no this I, show is fun. I have no. And idea. we had a fun show, <laughs> but now we are done. But without, I would be remiss Uh-oh. if I didn't play this closer. Okay. Am I going to like it? And quite frankly, Mike McKenna, I think this is her best one yet. Oh, boy. Yes, it is. Go ahead. Play it. So I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past, but the future. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep she, going. She's punking us. <laughs> she's punking us now. That's what's happened. Oh. We are now one oh, big man. joke. <laughs> and this podcast is no joke. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. 130 is in the books. <laughs> Namaste. Namaste.